With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Our guest on this week's soundtracking is not necessarily a name you'll be familiar with, but as a movie fan... You certainly know the music he has had a key hand in. For in his 20 years at Air Studios, Jake Jackson has produced and engineered an extraordinary number of magnificent scores. As well as being Nick Cave and Warren Ellis's go-to guy, he's also worked on Gladiator, Pete's Dragon and Under the Skin, among around 300 or so films. Indeed, his work is featured on at least 20 episodes of this podcast, which is why we were so keen to get him on. The cues you'll hear throughout the course of our conversation sound the way they do thanks to Jake, including our opener, rider number one from The Proposition. When said the moon to the stars in the sky Soon said the wind that followed the moon Earth said the cloud that started to cry me said the rider's dry as a bone How said the sun that melted the ground Why said the river that refused to run Where said the thunder without a sound Here said a rider and took up his gun Soundtracking. Thank you, Edith. I'm going to paint the pictures to how we met. You introduced yourself to me when I was here. Was it with John S. Baird? When he it was, was. It was on Stan and Ollie. Yeah, so he was up here doing the score and he very kindly invited me up to come and watch for a bit. I always feel like my depth when that happens. <laughs> going, Why am I here? It's so much going on. It's But it was wonderful. And you introduced yourself and I was like, please, will you come on? And here you are. Yeah. Amazing the amount of people who've actually been on the show that that's how it happened. But what's also wonderful is the music that you've worked on has featured on the show numerous times. Well, that's the kind of interesting thing about when I was like, you asked me, do you want me to be on it? And it was like, well, actually, yeah. I mean, like, there's like probably at least 20 or so that totally. I've heard that have, that have music that I've been involved in so yeah. yeah yeah it's kind of it's kind of nice to be asked thank you very much my pleasure but um my kind of career has been it just funny these things evolve and you forget about it and then a year later you hear the piece of music and go I recognize that what was that from <laughs> oh, yeah, great. so you've been working at air 20 years yeah now. I started as a runner January 1998 so I had 20 years now and yeah I started as a runner and I kind of did a music degree and my dad, my dad was in a prog, prog rock band so I'd always been around music been in and out of studios with him he had a little home studio Tascam yeah. thing but then I kind of the world changed when I walked into our studios emotionally and like I never really knew it existed that something like this really existed and I didn't know that much about soundtracks back then really but then you know you come for an interview and you go oh my god this will change my life if I get it and the story goes somewhere along the lines of I was the second name on the list and the first person got the job didn't like it quit after a week and I was the next person down the list so I didn't hear anything for like maybe a month and I was like oh that's gone and then I got a phone call out of nowhere saying do you want to start like you know in two weeks I was like yeah 
but it was like out of nowhere and i was sat on seven thousand pounds a year can you remember what was going on at that time some of the things that were kind of happening yeah i had my interview in this very room where it's at oh wow yeah and i remember looking through you can't see now there's a tv in the way but i remember sitting through there and there were some of the engineers there who i later become friends with but they were playing with a a new cd player that turned up we'd had like a hundred like a interchangeable thing it was for sound effects i think yeah like a hundred cd cd player and i was talking about this being the future And here we are now, you know, wow. you know what I mean? But I remember it very clearly. And I remember being my interview here. And then I remember being sat out where you were sat. In fact, exactly where you were sat just now. Under one of the pews, the pews outside. Yeah. Opposite the reception, opposite Glenn on reception. Same security guard. And yeah, that, then it became a blur. Then I got the job and I started. And I was working on a message in a bottle, I think it was. with the band making teas and coffees it was a score but it had like a rhythm section band and that was like four or five days doing that and it was like wow this is insane yeah totally insane and then and then the first time you hear an orchestra play in that room and you step out there to change some headphones and it was just like it was extraordinary and there's chills everything you kind of associate with music but then like knowing you're stuck there and you know this could be your life yeah and it has been for 20 years how would you describe your role now because you encompass quite a lot of different things yeah I mean it's kind of evolves all the time, my role. What with the way that the industry's changing, the way that the world's changing, the way that everything's changing. I mean, I mean, I started as a runner and I it was a tape op. You know, I was one of the last old-fashioned tape ops. Ran tape machines. We were recording onto two-inch tape. Over the first couple of years, I did a few weeks on a Coldplay record that was really fun. But I knew that I wanted to do, to do soundtracks, yeah. so I did that. And then I worked really hard, obviously. And it was a time when the diary system was bits of paper and the studio diary studio manager Alison who's still the studio manager now would write it on a bit of paper and I'd sneak through on a weekend when I was there and look see what was coming up and then like ask to be on the really cool sessions I could see coming up amazing so I'd be like and she'd be like but you've just you've just finished another one and it's like you know you've done a week without a day off and I'm like yeah but I really want to do the session she was like okay fine and she really loved the fact that she had somebody who was really enthusiastic yeah, and, and wanted to do it and so oh, it was amazing and I mean those are the days we were doing like kind of gladiator doing uh, yeah, Wake Up Gladiator things like that you know like back to back it was extraordinary these amazing film after amazing film
Well, it still happens now, of course, but back then. So I became... The hardest walking man. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I mean, I mean with me and another guy, we kind of, we both progressed up together. He was one stage ahead of me. And then I kind of assisted him. And so we kind of worked up together and it was amazing. And I kind of came up for air, like kind of eight years later, and realised, oh blimey, I haven't, I don't know, I'm, like, I'm 28, 29 now, and and I really wanted to be an engineer by that point. But then Alison was like, you're still a bit young, really. You're vastly experienced. Just sit on it, work hard, and you'll start cultivating relationships, which I did. So I started working with Murray Gold. So I started working with him and on Doctor Who. You know, a hundred episodes of Doctor Who later. You know that that was that. So they were all right. They said, just like, just hold on. And then these things happened, you know, like, so I started to do more and more engineering a bit. And I started working with Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, which was amazing. How did that start? That was one of those funny things where they wanted an engineer and they were given a bunch of names. And I think the first person wasn't available or didn't want to do it or whatever. I can't remember. And I was the next person on the list again. And it was the first time I was working in an outside studio. So I've been working at Air for eight years or eight, nine years, I guess. And then... I went to Aradell to do to do that and it was the proposition. story by itself but I mean we I remember not that much about it I remember getting Nick's phone number and asking to give him a call so I did that I think I had a chat hello Mr Keith yeah <laughs> and then I was in the middle of another session I think remember this is kind of flooding back but I remember being on another session in the hall and having during a break like having his number and like you know shaking you know, finger shaking calling him up and having a quick chat about it and they just said they were going to work you know we was going to come into the studio and, and work which was, didn't make any sense to me because all, everything I'd done up to that point was pre-composed ahead of time and yeah. we just come and record the, the orchestra. Body, yeah. And this was Nick and Warren. In fact, well, for the first three or four days, uh, it was just Warren because Nick had a, a family thing. And so for three or four days, I was with Warren Ellis in the studio, just making sounds and making ideas. I'm quite a straight kind of guy. My dad wasn't and I could have rebelled against my parents. And so I was there, you know, like, kind of not knowing what to expect because, you know, you can have a two-minute conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, you know, you know, the reputation of, of these guys is extraordinary. And I didn't know what to expect, obviously, but then we just started making music and we kind of started to get on and, you know, it's one of those relationships that you, I, 
I don't know really, they're just, they're just such, such nice guys and such fun to work with. It was just super fun. You know, we, we more like a kind of band recording. Yeah, it was totally like a band. Yeah, kind of. But yeah, but the band they haven't really made any songs yet. So you just yeah. kind of like what we've worked has evolved, but it's still it's the same way. It's still like just go and make some noise and some sounds, and if it's good, mark it and then come back to it later. We've changed the way a little bit now how we do it, but um, it's still along the same way. Just make some sounds and kind yeah. of go crazy. Good night, said the shadows have started to creep. Good night, said the spell is bed he did make. Night, said the roses that folded to sleep. Good night, said the red and the wild awake. The days said the bird and the branch of the tree. Farewell, said the snake to the dying light. It is at the fish in the river of sleep. Goodbye, said the red oak, good night. So, yeah, I started as an engineer with them, going back to your original question, and then they started crediting me as a producer, which was great. And so I started thinking about myself as a producer a little bit, and I thought, well, I guess I kind of am, really. I do, I am a musician. Not a very good one, but I still got grade eight down the line years ago. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is, yeah. But, yeah. but I'm not very good. I'm not really good at like the theory of music but i can read a score and do that kind of stuff but that for me is about emotion yeah, t- yeah I mean? of course that's exactly kind of, that's the important part yeah. is that greatly you can read music but it's a connection with the emotion that's coming off the page totally i was a kind of epiphany moment with daniel hart on pete's dragon where like oh, i was I just doing, yeah film. it's beautiful and, a, and yeah film. and a beautiful score as well yeah. and that's the first time I and he's a super nice guy and i love the music his music and his band are amazing too. Have you heard you know, his band music? Yeah. Amazing dark rooms. Because they use that for ghost story. Ghost story, yeah, yeah. That track. song, yeah, the third oh or fourth God, song on yeah. the album. Yeah. I think it might be one of my favourite songs <laughs> for the last ten years. Uh, yeah, that whole album is fantastic. Are you running late? Did you see too much? All the awful dreams felt real enough. Did you know that she waking up? Did she die in the night? Leave you seen that film yet it's because i'm a member of bafta and i get the bafta films but i didn't get that one last year but i see it's on netflix at some point this month so i'm like I mean, every day i'm like oh, checking yeah. netflix and like to watch it but the listening to that score which i've listened to loads of times you hear the kind of decomposition, decomposition of that particular song you're talking about and then it comes around full circle in that score which is beautiful
So we were just recording it like I normally do, and he said to me at the end, he said something I've done before, his first massive thing, we've got the head of Disney Music there and all these people. He said to the end, I said, you've been fantastic. I'd love to credit you as a producer. And I was like, wow, that's great. <laughs> Thanks very much, you know. And that was really, that was really, a kind of thing. okay, so I kind of can call myself a producer. So yeah, so that's 20, you know, 20 years ago. And now, the way things have changed, I've now got a home studio where I do a lot of mixing. And the last month, I've hardly been, I was at Abbey Road for a couple of projects, one project with Abbey Road with Benjamin Valfish there. Yeah, you've done Thieves. quite a few things. Yeah, Benjamin, yeah, we've done two in the last couple of months. King of Thieves. Yeah, and we just did one called Serenity. Jake has featured <laughs> on this podcast a lot. I mean, all the Nick and Warren stuff, yeah. and various directors as well, yeah. Hello High Water, yeah. um, with David, with David McKen- Shod, yeah. uh, with David War McKenzie. Machine yeah. and stuff as well. Yeah, and The Road has been mentioned a fair few times. Yeah, The Proposition people. gets mentioned a lot. That's yeah. one score that people go back to a lot. Yeah, so these, these days I've now got a home studio and I'm mixing a lot from there now, which is great because obviously I can spend time with my family a lot more. That's been great, and I had this amazing thing which I've done the last last three weeks. I've worked with five female composers in a row. Oh my god, that's fantastic! Yeah, tell me about them. Which has been which is unbelievable, and I was like counting them up, and it was extraordinary that because people are saying you know there's a there's a there is a real thing about getting more female composers in there, and it was like I was like this is one, and then Lucy, my manager, put another session, in. and I was like that makes five in a row. It's extraordinary. So I did a couple of days with uh, Anne Nickerton, and she was. We're working on a project together as a Netflix documentary about Madeleine McCann. Not the oh, most uh, wow, <laughs> interesting, okay. but I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. lovely music, really interesting, but obviously slightly more traumatic. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Particularly when my son, as he likes to do, is ask what I'm working on. Difficult to explain that to a six-year-old. Yeah. That was, that was nice and then I worked with um, a composer called Claire Singer Claire M. Singer and she is a performance artist who works out of Union Chapel okay. she works out of the Union Chapel um, she's an, the organist there oh, wow. and but she's also a cellist and she writes this kind of really interesting music that's based on organ drones and playing around with the organ 
it was her first feature film so we mixed that in the studio she came all over and she was like my first kind of client to come back a few days in a row and that was really nice and she kind of hang out a bit after the end of the last session that was really nice Vanity Fair with Isabel Waller-Bridge. Yeah. An episode of that, which is... I'm not, I'm not doing all of those, but I did one of the episodes yeah, yeah. with her. That's it, that's five. Yeah, yeah. Got to, yeah. five, yeah. That's five. So four different that's five things. So Please, can you put them in touch with us because we're desperate to get more yeah. female composers <laughs> yeah, of course on. We We've been asking for Misha to come on, Mika yeah. Levy, and yeah. Carly Paradis, another one that we're trying to get on yeah. as well. So it's, oh, that was... Uh, yeah. I worked with uh, Mika on... Under the Skin. Under the Skin, yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. That was You kind of knew that that was... I mean, was, music was amazing. I mixed that. And it was incredible to work. You could have got a real sense of how intricate it was and how important to the film it was yeah. and how, how interesting a score it was going to be the director whose name I can't remember Zoe to Jonathan Glazer and then the music producer called Pete Rabin who I've known on and off for years in fact I've mixed quite a lot of his scores recently but yeah it was really intense it was really intense we really like some of those cues we were working on for 
what felt like a day, even it might have been at least half a day on some of them. Really, just a really there was the nuances of so so nuanced, tiny little changes to them. But again, it worked. It worked so well, and people. It's one of those scores that people ask me about yeah. all the time. Really interesting. each project's very different in terms of who's there who's involved and you know who has the kind of five p's worth sort of thing you know you know you work really closely with the composer but are the directors normally around or do they kind of mostly leave leave it up to most of the most of the kind of long big discussions have happened before they'll get to to the stage let's put nick and warren to one side because that is a completely different way of working but most of the time the directors approved everything because they've they've obviously heard in the olden days, it would have been the piano demos, but now it's everyone can mock up with samples, yeah. which is you know it's got its own benefits and you know disadvantages because sometimes we don't get to re-record those yeah. scores, but that's that's budgets and that's life, I guess. Mm. So yeah, but then there's still there's still the time when the director wants a small change, and it depends on the project. If it's a nice project with a bit of budget, then that's factored into the time scale. It's when it's you know a real tight one, yeah. and you know you're really up against it. Sometimes my role is to keep my mouth shut and not say anything, but sometimes I can. To experience, you can see where where you can say, well, how about we can just move the whole, we can move that, you know, move something by a couple of seconds, and it will just it will just make a difference. It's understand, it's translating people who who don't necessarily know how to express themselves musically that I've kind of understood, kind of get my head into those into their yeah, minds yeah. to some degree, and I guess that's like a useful a useful art to to know. Yeah, because you can obviously there's plenty of people who are better at me that can say you, know, you need to recompose it or chordal structure, but I guess working with people like Nick and Warren where I'm the kind of conduit to their creativism. Yeah, whatever that word. (laughs) (laughs) Creativity. creativity. Um, Because of working with them, I've done much more music editing as well. So, you know, which is a completely different art as well. So, you know, taking it and taking the music and rearranging it for the change of cut or or just rewriting it. And so, yeah, that's a really helpful skill to help answer those questions when you get, you know, do you need to tweak it a bit? Yeah, with Nick and Warren as well, you know, the scores that they've done, but also for 20,000 Days on Earth, yeah, which you worked on yes. as well, which was a, a fantastic project Edie Jane did, which I yeah. love those pair, they're brilliant. Yeah. You know, that was a really interesting project in terms of, I just thought it was a really clever narrative that, you know, he and they were involved in, yeah. kind of in fact fiction, blurred lines, all that kind yeah. of thing. It was really clever, having his own music in there, but then also all that. That must have been fun to work on. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, all projects with Nick and Warren are fun to work <laughs> on. We go, we put ourselves into a little bubble. We go down to a studio in Brighton, which is fantastic. It's really nice, you know. We, there's a lovely little studio down there on the studio owner's mum's land. Oh, and we kind of we just kind of set ourselves up in the studio for a week, stay in a hotel. We kind of work ten till seven ish, yeah. ten to ish, and then we've got a director like Ian and Jane or David McKenzie or David Michaud. They come along, and if not, we just do it by ourselves and send stuff off. But with that, Ian and Jane came down, and of course. They're helping to create, curate, and getting ideas down. So you know, Nick and Warren will make some ideas. I'll then move it around, try to put one on top of the other. We'll talk about it. They'll shout instructions from the back. I'll you know ignore them or more often than not realise that their suggestions are, are, are brilliant. And I'm <laughs> the one who's because sometimes that's the, what I have learned is to listen to them because it's like that's what's so extraordinary about their their musicality is that because they come from a completely different musical background to I do. It's like, I'm like, what are you doing? This is crazy. And they're like, just yeah. do it, Jake. Just do it. Shut up and do it. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then like 10 minutes later, it's the most brilliant piece of music. And I'm like, damn, how many times have I just like, keep your mouth shut and just like do what they say? Because it's, ama- it's amazing what, what's going to come up with. Because it's not necessarily in my mindset to start with. And I've now, I've obviously learned over the years to go with go it. Because yeah. so sometimes, you know, we might, they might do, on Jesse James, essentially Jesse James, we went into studio a different studio in Brighton and that was we would do again the same thing we'd only had a script to work off that we went in really early and we were working oh, just wow. off the script and and we had a time we had about three minutes of footage which is where I think he's wearing a, a skin and he walks to the ice and it's an amazing shot of like him on some ice and we were like we'd be, we'd be working on some stuff and getting ideas sometimes it just starts with a Warren loop and then Nick or Warren will go down and put an idea on top of that and then that one then, then that makes means the other guy will then crisscross off each other so take it in turns we only ever record pretty much one of them at a time yeah and then they just take it in turns with an idea and we build it up amazing but often they start off as like kind of five or six minute pieces and then we'll then edit that down to something that works for the picture mm-hmm. but for jesse james they'd be doing something and then this is just before grinder man's kind of started to be <laughs> thought of so we would be doing like a piece of music and then suddenly you can see them kind of get an urge to do something a bit more crazy and suddenly like these kind of like 10 minute long kind of jams started and all the, pe- the band members would walk out from the control room because they were kind of bored of sitting around like yeah, because they would like it was mainly the score but then they were there to throw some extra sounds off but they kind of realised that something was happening so they kind of walk into the studio and it turned into this kind of epic up. yeah over this kind of like 15 minute kind of like pre-grinder man grinder man thing and it, was kind of, it, was, it was kind of cool and I look at the music editor and we kind of like sit there and go, okay, great. And we just sit there and enjoy Watch, it. You yeah, know? Okay. <laughs> it was you like personal cool. concert. Yeah. And then, so none of that kind of, but it, and, but it was a great way of like getting ideas out that, you know, because then go, well, if we take that bit of that, it's like, okay, then we can base it on that, you know. Yeah. It's fun.
with this being your kind of you know you're doing a lot of stuff from home and stuff yeah. as well but having this as a base air studios and being in here did, did you still kind of have pinch me moments where you might come in of a morning and something's going on yeah of course i mean this is an amazing place i'm sure you when you come in you, there's always something exciting happening you know yeah. people you haven't seen for a long time it, it's, it's extraordinary but you still get bits of spine tingles whether it's here or Abbey Road when you walk in there I had a moment quite recently when I was covering for Sean Murphy for on um, the Han Solo uh, oh wow um, oh just through that one <laughs> yeah, just yeah. clang that oh, yeah, one in yeah. um, you know whilst it's yeah, Han Solo Sean film. Murphy the American wow. American who was one of my kind of idols as I was growing up but he's um, he's an American recording engineer and um, he was recording the score with John Powell for Han yeah and, um, I thought John did an amazing oh, incredible John, yeah And um, they did some pickups. I had two days at the end of the process where um, Sean was needed in Los Angeles mixing the final mix. Yeah. And so um, they asked me if I would mind if I would mind doing it. And it was like, I remember I'd seen them the day before, I think, and I'd said hello to him. It was working with James Newton Howard and I said hi. This is what happens, you know, you come in and you're like, it's James Newton Howard. You've seen, I worked with him, you know, on like 10 scores as a tape op, but you say hello and give him a, you know, hug and yeah. everything. And that's what happens when you come in, you just see, and see them. And so I said hello and then, Alison came in with Sean, just looking at me, kind of like, kind of like knowing, like whatever you, he says, just say yes. And I was like, okay. And she said, she said, yeah, we've got two days of uh, recording a Star Wars score. Can you be free? And Alison was like, he says, nodding his head. And I was like, let me just think, my diary. I think I might have something, but I'm sure you can probably move it. <laughs> and it's like that horrible feeling of like, Lucy, you have to move these things. And bizarrely, one of the things that actually was was a project for Isabel Waller Bridge, who. His sister, Phoebe, is in the film. And in fact, they came along to the that one of the days that I, I was supposed to be working with Isabel. In fact, it, the, her, her, fortunately, at the same time, I was finding out whether she could move it. Her schedule changed and I didn't work on the project anyway. But on that Tuesday, it was really weird that she was she came in with Phoebe to watch a bit of the scoring session. Yeah. And when I was there, it was like, so thank goodness that you yeah, were here. Yeah, yeah. It was fate. Yeah, fate. Yeah. But oh, his score, John's score for that is incredible.
I did some of the bit at the beginning and some of it at the end and then got the bits in the middle and oh man, amazing. And yeah. then but then to get your first Star Wars credit. That's I mean that's, that's... the kind of thing you could never yeah. Imagine getting that on the wish, was that on the wish oh, list then? Yeah. I mean, it was a it was beyond wishes. You know what I mean? It was like <laughs> it, was, it was extraordinary. So, and I've worked with John Powell a few times over the years. That was the amazing thing about being a tape up here is just like everybody I work with. Yeah. And I guess that now it's a bit more different because people are coming through. Well, I'm quite fortunate in that I record and mix the for Spitfire Audio, yeah. who make uh, samples. They're quite an up and coming company, and so everyone kind of knows my name a little bit, which is kind of nice. And also from the 20 years you've been here. Well, that's true, you know, yeah. Start, yeah. Like you say, run our tape up, working your way up sort of yeah. thing. So. Well, I'm on Thursday off to New York to do a presentation oh. at something called MixCon. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're, is, you're equivalent of Comic-Con. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> For real geeks. Great. <laughs> um, but that's kind, of extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of extraordinary to think that, you know, someone wants to pay for me to go to Amazing. New York. You know, so I found waiting for my visa to come through, which is in the, in the, with the courier today. It's with the courier <laughs> today. It's been delivered today. But yeah, I mean, you can't, there are times you come in here and you see people you've seen over the years. And mm. I know so many people, well, it's nice as you know the musicians too, you know. Yeah. That was a great thing. That was another thing you didn't realise as a runner was that you get to meet all these musicians. And by being the kind of runner, you're out there interacting with the musicians when their headphones don't work or yeah. when they've got a little problem or, you know, whatever. And that's a whole bunch of relationships you never realise you're going to have. But then mm. also then when you need to produce a session and you need to be kind of like the kind of grumpy one because we're running a short of time and we need to yeah. or they're making a noise and you just need to be the thing you've got a relationship with them so you can kind of they listen to you they respect you yeah. all the years which is really nice that was the interesting thing when i came in to watch john's thing you know and he was just kind of sat in the corner he wasn't really getting involved he was leave, just just observing yeah me. and there was a moment where there was one particular cue that's been recorded and it was the most minuscule little thing. I think it was to do with timing. Right. And and uh, and I, you know, I was, I was when I heard the, the request kind of going into the room to the musicians, I was like, what? And then it was so obvious when you heard it, the change and stuff. And that for me was just amazing to kind of see and yeah. to have a, a little glimpse of kind of what goes on. Those moments that happen so regularly, as you kind of, as for me, is like kind of go without thinking but you realize when you work with somebody like benjamin valfish who really pushes musicians to the edge of their not to, not to their ability but, but what he asks them to do because he's, he's so brilliant a composer and such a brilliant musician and been a conductor he really knows what he can get from his musicians but it's hard you know he yeah he makes them work really hard but you hear for the first time they play it to what how they're pushed sometimes I mean sometimes they'll play a piece of music the most beautiful thing you've ever heard first time and you're like right that's it play, play it again <laughs> but then also but then you can do the same thing you push them and push them and push them and then you just get this most incredible thing because it's like you know like like you would have done if you were Prokofiev or something you know like conducted in front of the orchestra and again pushing them to the nth degree to get yeah. this thing it, it's, it's amazing when you do and when they buy it when they when they understand the reason for it you see it, you understand, you can get that vibe and you see them by the end of it physically exhausted physically and mentally exhausted but they'll say that was the most amazing session. They understand what it is to make music and they understand what it does to, I mean, even to film music, you know, to some degree where yeah, it's behind it's, other, you know, it's behind. It's the, but also in TV and in games as well. You know? Yeah, like, games, is a, games is a really interesting thing yeah. to be working on. I'd, like, I'd really like to kind of sit down with you and a couple of other people in the gaming world to kind of sort of pick that apart because I think as well it's something that's not really talked about we touched on it with Lauren actually going about yeah you know the work that he's done and stuff but I think there's a whole diving down a rabbit well, you should, hole we should we um, should have you ever have you met Jess Curry Jessica no. Curry you should meet her because she's she's done some amazing she won the BAFTA yeah. two years ago for Everybody's Gone to the Rapture which I recorded a mix which is extraordinary yeah. this music yeah. 
We did another one for let's so let's so let us melt for a Google VR game. But she works with some guys from Sony, uh, Jim Fowler, Joe Thwaites, who I'm working with next week. We're doing a VR game. Can't say much about it, but um, it's really it's really interesting. I'd be, I'd be I'm sure they'd be very interested to talk to you about it. Again, that's a that's a whole new yeah. world. And you know, the first time I went to Sony to see those guys, and they gave me the prototype headphones and the mask and everything. It was for the it was for the game that Sony released with them when they released their goggles. There was a game, eight games in one or something, and we did the music for that. We were talking about that early stages of that. They put me through it, and it was like, this is a whole new world. Like, you literally could have that on in your front room, I think, and someone could rob your house, and you'd have no idea. <laughs> because you can't see anything, you can't hear anything. You've got headphones on, you've got nothing yeah. over your eyes, and you're in another world, and you end up... I remember going to a friend's house and doing it, playing it with a Star Wars game, I think, and ended up being sitting on the sofa 90 degrees from where I started out from. I had no idea that I was sitting at a completely wrong angle, oh, wow. and I was like, how is that even possible? I've done it. And then watching, my dad took my dad along to Sony to, to play. And my dad's a musician. He was in a, a prog rock band, played saxophone, electric saxophone. But he went down and put this thing on and just blew his mind. I mean, you know, this is like a 70 year old guy who's done loads of drugs and, and, and like, you know, made loads of amazing albums and stuff. But then, like, to see him completely, completely thrown by VR, which means, means the world for music of that is completely, you can make it up whatever you like. Yeah, well, listen, I, I really hope we can maybe do different parts to this well let me let me up. speak to um jim and joe next week yeah okay are you around next week are you? yeah yeah i'm around yeah, yeah. Oh, i'll see if you're coming on monday brilliant oh jake <laughs> absolute pleasure thank nice you one. so much nice mate. One. cheers
chosen by Jake as one of the favourite cues he's worked on, that song for Bob by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the air producer, mixer and engineer extraordinaire Jake Jackson. My huge thanks to Jake for taking the time to talk to us at the legendary Air Studios. If you're curious to know about all the scores he's worked on, head to IMDb. It is quite the list. We'll put a Spotify playlist up for the show at edithbowman.com, which is also the place to catch up with all of our previous episodes. Jake's efforts feature in plenty of them, including my chats with Davids, Mackenzie and Michaud. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and please do keep sharing it with your friends if you like what you hear. Next up, a composer who's worked with everyone from Nora Ephron to Sir Richard Attenborough, Stephen Frears to Ken Loach on films like Memphis Belle, Dangerous Liaisons, Gandhi, The Crucible, Lady in a Van and many, many more. Composer George Fenton is our guest next week. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company. Thank you.